0: Everybody, this is Sharman Smith with Taming the Titta, your 2020 Democratic presidential candidate. Here we're going to talk about this week something that's been on everybody's mind. DNA. Started Monday with Elizabeth Warren releasing her results and sharing with the world the maybe one five hundredth of a percentage that she is Native American. And I, it has been everywhere where people are talking about it. I did a whole chapter on it in my book, Taming the Titta. So you can bet to me today seems like the right day for us to go down this bridge together. And first, I want to start by expressing directly to Miss Warren how much I No, this has been a painful, frustrating experience for her. I I was, I too was raised my entire life with the belief that I was Native American. And when I finally got my DNA test results back and there wasn't a drop anywhere in my blood, it just broke my heart because I felt like I had been advocating appropriately, but Maybe stealing the right to be proud of something that didn't really belong to me. I, my, I was raised with the belief that I was Irish, French, Dutch, and Indian. Irish in me got me mad, the Dutch in me kept me mad, and the Indian in me knew what to do with it. The French was for making up in case I was ever so inclined. That's the line I heard from my aunts and my grandmother my whole life. And when I embarked on this mission to to write this book, I I had heard my whole life growing up that I was a Polk and I was related to James K. Polk, and, and I wasn't really sure how this book was going to play out, right? It was just something that was taken over my mind, and I had to get it on paper because it was, you know, I was walking around smiling, laughing all the time, and nobody knew what I was laughing about. I'm sure I looked like a crazy person for a while. But this this has been it's been a beautiful dream to watch it unfold, and it really is a much better read post election than it was pre election. You know, check it out on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or Kindle Unlimited for free. And it, it it there was a young lady who was in the news February 2014. Um, she had embarked on her own genealogy journey with her grandfather, who was a professional genealogist, and they had decided to track the roots of all the presidents, but they were the first people who didn't just track the men of in the president's line they tracked the females as well, and of course, we know that it takes a man and a woman to create a baby, so it's you know rocket science and brilliant at this. 14-year-old figured it out with her grandfather or 12-year-old, whatever she was. She's a very, very bright young lady and was able to track her own uh, DNA straight back to this time period where the presidents all come from. This King John, signer of the Magna Carta, and he's often credited throughout history Um, with the good things that he has done but we are still living the example that he set for people during medieval feudalism in our country today the the the, our money system the taxing the way we treat each other our criminal justice this is part of a, a a society that we've been a part of this evolution for a thousand years it's it's frustrating and it's complicated and it's fascinating it's definitely more interesting when you understand how you're a part of it but the for me to lose the native american in me it it just it broke my heart there i have a, i have a unique personality i'm aware that i have a unique personality i have often met people who wanted to know what i was because i had a funny name and they could tell i wasn't all white and I was incredibly proud of being Native American, and I was loud and vocal, and had fantastic comeback lines. And whenever I said I was Native American, I could I could see the respect that I received from the person who had asked me the question. And it was a something that I was incredibly proud of. Um, I believed I was Cherokee and Blackfoot Indian. And to discover that that wasn't the truth really broke my heart. But to discover the rest of the story just about did me in. And I learned about $5 Indian rolls, where um, white immigrants, after what is now being referred to as genocide, decided to put their own names on Indian rolls and they could do it for $5 and they became a Native American. They became an Indian. May very well be where my story came from. I have known the tragedy that has been caused to the Native Americans by the white immigrants that came to this country hundreds of years ago. I lived my life with the belief that I was a lucky survivor of what I can only assume was generations and of just torture and abuse and to no longer be a part of that really, really shook me. And as I, as I started to really embrace the, Even before I took the the DNA test, the actual DNA test, I had started the leaf chasing on Ancestry.com. I clicked a thousand years worth of leaves before I ever even broke down and got the DNA test. The DNA test, I I bought and let it sit for months in my house. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even take it. And then one day I just jumped up and ran inside and broke it open and took it and threw it in the mailbox real quick and. My results rolled into my mailbox Easter morning that year. And the DNA tests online have shuffled a couple of times. So each time they shuffle, my DNA list evolves. And it has, it's been interesting to watch it evolve because it, it has gone from being like 12 things to being three things. The way it has, you know, where they have condensed and shuffled um, locations. I am 87% UK, Wales, Northwestern Europe. That is its own bundle now. It, it used to be the Netherlands. That's definitely where the Dutch came from. That's definitely where the Dutch came from. That was true. Uh it used to include Italy I used to be 1% Italian um, that has fallen into this bucket here somewhere now it's no longer just there I was there the the Netherlands 8% was in there and that has makes sense for it to be in that Northwestern Europe I was 13% <coughs> Of other things at one point in time, but it came down with the last shovel that shuffle that I was twelve percent Irish and Scottish. And it's definitely more Scottish. Scottish was definitely the coolest discovery in my DNA journey. And it's so amazing because right now Netflix is produced a Netflix original movie and that it's so good they're gonna do a a limited release in movie theaters nationwide called The Outlaw King. And Chris Pine plays one of my great granddaddies. And he is so fantastic. I love those eyebrows. I do not know what it is about his eyebrows. But uh, I cannot wait to watch him play Robert the Bruce in The Outlaw King. It was by far one of the coolest discoveries that I made during my ancestry.com, you know, journey through my, my DNA. And then that, the latest shuffle with three issues, with three items, right? The, the 87, the 12, that left me with 1%, something else that has, um, popped up in previous DNA shuffles as South Europe, which is old Rome North Africa, and now it is saying specifically Nigeria, which is fascinating to me because as a fraud investigator, as somebody who has a background in fraud investigations, I constantly come across scam artists, and I can't tell you how many Nigerian princes have tried to send me some sort of check to get some sort of inheritance, it's just not even funny. And I just want everybody to know that I feel like I am your Nigerian princess, who's going to catch those sneaky little terrorists because all they're doing is scamming everybody, and I'm going to put an end to that nonsense. Now, Nigerian brings with it a ton of um, fascinating and interesting aspects that make it difficult to ignore, but Interesting, all the same, and I like to say now that I, you know I used to say I'm a little bit of this and I'm a little bit of that, but now I, I I can say that I'm you know I'm mostly white, you know, and I'm mostly like really white, like mostly white, but I'm just got a little dash of black soul magic in me, and it has been one of the funnest things because I have always loved black people. I I have some fascinating, wonderful stories about my relationship with the the amazing people that have crossed my life, really from all ethnicities and walks of life, but um, I can't tell you how excited I am to have just a little dash of black girl magic in me. It is pretty cool. but I, it's just 1%, and I don't think it's enough for some people to care. And I really didn't think it was enough for some people to care. But I honestly lost people from my life who couldn't tolerate it. I honestly lost people from my life who had been my friend for decades. And when I told them, they looked at me like they had never seen me before. And then they'd look away, and I never heard them again. I didn't think 1% black would be that big of a deal. I know there's this whole one drop club. But it is alive and well and it is foolish and it is something that we are going to have to address together as a nation. Um, When I started my journey looking through Leeds, I, I got to an area where it was a census in Kentucky, my my family's from Kentucky, and one of my grandmothers had been listed as white for many censuses before, but in this particular one, she was listed as a mulatto, and you know I don't I don't know the other. That, that maybe that's where that comes from. I'm not sure. The only way it makes sense, because you don't have store, I don't have stories. I don't have people I can go back and ask. We're talking 150 years ago. And their story, the way it plays out to me through the documents, because they did record marriages and they did do censuses every year. So you could see when a child was born and what their name was and what the relationship was. And it, it looks to me like, One of my rich slave-owning ancestors, about 10 years after the Civil War was over, um, one of their children married one of their former employees and we've been poor ever since. Um, I remember my grandmother referring to my grandfather's grandparents as those people. And I never asked any questions because I was too young, and I just wasn't allowed. I didn't know what questions to ask anyway. I was too young. And now everybody's gone. There's nobody to ask. But Ancestry.com has come through again and connected me through DNA circles with people who are connected to these individuals and remember some of the stories and it makes it possible to piece everything together and it it is fascinating to see how we repeat history so we every day we have difficult conversations around us there's these conversations regarding flags and what's respect and what's not respect and and I understand that I had family that fought on both sides of the Civil War, and I think the right side won. The Confederate flag is very controversial, but it has not ever been designed to unite us. It was designed to divide us. It hasn't helped bring us together one time in 150 years, and it's not helping now. I like old Glory. I like the Stars and Stripes. I think it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And quite frankly, I like the sight of a man in uniform bending his knee to the flag while our anthem plays. I don't have a problem with it at all. And I will stand tall in protection of anybody who'd like to take a knee or take a knee right alongside them. But quite frankly, anybody who wants to wave the Confederate flag in my face And talk to me about what they think needs to be done in our country needs to stop. Because we already have a flag. And that flag is the stars and stripes, not the stars and bars. Put it down, put it in a museum, take it away. Pull out 50 nifty United States. And quite frankly, it's time for us to start looking at the number of stars on that flag. We have territories and people that we have brought into our country and promised to take care of, and it is time we remember and acknowledge them. There's plenty of room on that flag for more stars. There's no room for stripes and for for crosses Xing us out. We have to embrace our nation the way it was designed to be embraced. It was designed to be one nation, not two. We are the United States of America. And that flag has done us no good. That Confederate flag has not brought us together one time. It wasn't meant to bring us together. And it's time for it to go away. We're going to take a break now, everybody. And we'll be back in a few minutes. Everybody, this is Charmin. I'm back again, and I know that was a serious conversation. We're just going to leave that sit there for a while. And we're going to talk about some things that are a little bit more fun because DNA isn't just isn't just sad. And I, I do feel sad for Elizabeth Warren. I know that she wanted to address this and put it behind her, and it, it just brought it more forward. And as as somebody who deeply cares about the Native American uh, history of this country. I'm glad to see that she has taken on bills that help them, and it is something that I intend to champion in the future. But as, as again, as we talk about, you know, DNA, there, there was fun things to discover in my DNA. It wasn't just Robert the Bruce. I was able to, I was able to learn that Robin Hood is a real person, and by the way, they're related, Robin Hood and Robert the Bruce. Now, I really thought Robin Hood was just you know, a a fun story that they told, you know, in cartoons and on TV. And it was funny. Ha ha ha. And the farther I dug into this DNA and the more leaves I chased, the more I was able to put together this amazing picture of what futile medieval feudalism really look like and connect the dots. I've mentioned before that I'm good at connecting the dots. And, And this story kind of lives in my mind and one of the millions of browser tabs that is constantly open because ever since I have piece these parts together, I have wanted to write a book about it. And as now, especially while I'm working with the screenwriter and the producer to turn my current book into a movie, and I understand the flow a little bit better, it will not just be a great book, it will be a fantastic movie. But so as I get back to Robin Hood and I talk about DNA, I talk about the connections that all of our presidents have to King John. The guy who signed the Magna Carta, and the Magna Carta is often referred to as our Constitution's little brother, or really, his great grandfather. But our Constitution, part of the the rights that are afforded to us, are from a an, an ideal that was born in the early 1000s, right? And it had progressed through the years. It was monarchies that ruled and it was kings and queens, but there was, you know, some good people during that time. And one king, you know, got really sick and promised God that if he would let him live, he would give all these rights to all the people. And then he got well and he took all the rights back. It was called the Charter of Liberties. And it, it gave women rights to own property thousand years ago you know he took that back but he had descendants and his descendants were famous and they ruled England in this part of the Europe he it, it, he he is the, you know the grandfather of it all but he, you know there was a grandmother too and she's, she's one of my favorite characters in my whole story um, but King Richard the Lionheart. We all know this story. I want to stay on task. King Richard the Lionheart. We know the story of Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table and Lancelot and Guinevere and Robin Hood. This is all that time. And Richard was gay and he had no interest in producing an heir. So he picked his nephew, who was 11 years old, Arthur to be his heir in the event that something happened to him while he was off fighting the Third Crusade. While he was off fighting the Third Crusade, he left his little brother John back in charge of England, and John was the one doing all the taxing and torturing and killing people, while Richard was off fighting the Crusades. Now when Robin Hood came back from fighting the Crusades and stumbled upon the nightmare of what the sheriffs were doing to the people and he started working to get the money back, Robin Hood is actually considered one of the feudal barons and they play a really important part throughout history, but they, they, you know, we enjoy Robin Hood, but we don't understand how important he really was. So we, we have We've discussed King Richard, who's off fighting in the Third Crusades. And we have this young, lovely little Arthur, who is 11 years old. And we have the jerk, John, who's over here abusing everybody. Robin Hood gets news to Richard. Richard comes back. John manages to kill Richard and Arthur. I'm not sure what happened to Robin Hood, to be 100% honest with you. But I suspect he was probably killed, too. And John is the the individual who all the presidents that we have had in our country are descendant from. Now, it's a long kingship line, right? So there's other people in there, too. But he's the central character in this story. And we don't really talk about him. There is a really good Robin Hood series that's on either Netflix or Amazon TV right now, and they do allude to Prince John. And I I hope they will embrace that character and educate us more. These movies that we have seen through the years, while they are very entertaining, they're not historically accurate. And so we have been living in medieval feudalism, this, this tax, finance, abuse, power and control system for 800 years. There's, a, there's so much more to it, but those feudal barons, remember I brought, I, I told you about Robin Hood and how important he was. He wasn't alone. The, John did not sign the Magna Carta voluntarily. He was forced to sign the Magna Carta by the feudal barons. And this, this Magna Carta limited John's powers, and it prevented him from overtaxing and raping and murdering and beating and torturing the people of the kingdom. And these feudal barons forced John to give them back some of the money that had been taken. And these barons were responsible for Trickling down that money to the people who lived within their kingdom. This is where trickle down economics began. This isn't the first time it had happened in history. And, and what we're experiencing now is just its evolution. This, this idea that they can tax us into, they can tax us to death. We, we are pricing people out of living every day in this country. It has been going on for a thousand years. And we used to resolve these problems with pitchforks and torches. But when America came along and created the greatest union ever developed, we had a new form of collective bargaining. And our government was designed to protect the people from the government. It is, we, we have done it wrong. And I will tell you, I, one of the things that I discovered that that also broke my heart was that I was a Mayflower descendant. And I, I'm as, as somebody who was so proud of being Native American, I I knew that there was a lot of shame in being a Mayflower descendant. And we have done a lot of things wrong in this country, but it started a great idea now maybe we've done some things wrong along the way and there's definitely some things we could have done better but it's never too late and i believe we can do that now one of one of the the really important things for me about connecting history and understanding my relationship to it it I wanted to understand this King John thing, and I focused on that for the book. That is in the book. That is laid out there, but it has been in the last six months, five months, that I decided to go up a different branch of my tree, and it dropped four presidents on me, and it Opened up an entirely new way for me to be able to think about history and what our founding fathers were doing when they created the separation of church and state. And it's, it is fascinating to me because we, we taught, it is impacting our lives every day right now. This separation of church and state is it is it is not the way it was designed to be. The church is overreaching. The state needs to stop. And I want to explain why. When I when I made the connection with George Washington, it is up the Rogers family tree. And George Washington and three other presidents I I found up this branch and it the One of our grandfathers is John Rogers, and he is widely credited as being the editor of the Bible, like the Bible. He's the person, the top cleric, who oversaw the translation from Old Greek into English, and he laid it out from Genesis to Revelations in the format and the flow that we're used to reading it in today. Yeah, him. He was a Protestant. The King James Bible, John Rogers was the editor who put it together. When King James died and Queen Mary came into reign and control she was referred to as bloody mary when she decided to convert england from protestant to catholic john rogers was the first person she burned alive washington would have known this story while we may have gotten lost in our ancestry and our history and our genealogy today our ancestors were very proud of who they were related to, and they made sure to make a trace of their lineage so that people would know. And we, we, I'm incredibly grateful for it because it is so clear to me that when, when our founding fathers created our constitution and they put in this, this policy about the separation of church and state, there there was a reason to protect people because they knew the consequences of the state being in charge of your religion and they didn't want any of us to have to go through it. And so the fact that it's happening today absolutely infuriates me. And as a Christian, to watch the right-wing evangelicals destroy the reputation of Christians worldwide absolutely infuriates me, and it is one of the reasons why I am running for president in 2020. It's one of the reasons why it is so important to me that we start having conversations with each other, and I I also want to share a revelation that I had through the years. I was not born in the church. I wasn't raised in a church. My parents were violent, abusive, alcoholic, pedophile. We didn't go to church on Sunday morning. We didn't go to church on Wednesday night. That just wasn't how it worked at our house. Now, I remember my mom telling me that just because somebody was a priest didn't make them a good person. So She must have known something back there. But it was after I graduated from high school and moved out on my own and met my first husband, that I was introduced to church. And I was baptized as a Southern Baptist in a church in a small town in West Texas. And I was introduced to a game that I like to refer to as, quote, the scripture. It became obvious to me that Christians like to communicate with each other through Bible verses. And it's a game. It's of one-upsmanship. <clears throat> it's a big book. There's a lot of verses. You can play this game forever. And one of the things that Lincoln complained about during um, the Civil War was that both sides used the same book to defend and to argue with each other. So this quote, the scripture game, has been around for a long time. And through the years, I had come to think of the Bible as a collection of short stories about good people and bad people and proof that God loves jerks. You know, kind of like the night shift by Stephen King, only, you know, it was by God. It was, you know, just proof that, you know, it's all these bad things happen. All these, they're not good people. They did bad things. God used them, you know, God loves jerks. I, it was just my own revelation. And this quote the scripture game, I made the personal decision over 20 years ago not to ever participate in it again because I became incredibly incredibly aware of the reality that I was committing spiritual warfare against other Christians. And it broke my heart. I absolutely never in a million years connected the idea that you could destroy somebody through religion because not being raised in the church and always hearing about the church, I thought the church people were nice people. I was really excited about this. And then as I got into it, I realized, wait a minute. My husband and I at the time, he's my ex-husband now, we would have nightly Bible readings and he would focus on the portions of the Bible that would tell me to be submissive to him and allow him to do whatever he wanted to do. You know, and I just got to be honest with you, that just didn't work for me. My personality, that just wasn't a good fit for me. It, it just you know—that wasn't what I had anticipated when we were dating and I had agreed to marry him. And now that I had been introduced to the church and this, this fun game of quotes of scripture and We're 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 just going to focus on this stuff that requires me to be submissive and obedient. Yeah, that's not going to work for me. I don't I don't like that. So my relationship with religion has evolved a lot through the years, and it I am more of a spiritual person than I am a a religious person. I consider myself to be gnostic, not agnostic agnostics do not believe in a god gnostics do it's actually the foundation that Christianity was built on it is probably the thing that gets me through everything that has ever happened to me is my belief that everything happens for a reason Um, I do kind of think that I chose all of it on the other side because I thought I was stronger than I am but you know, maybe I am stronger than I realize because everything that has been thrown at me throughout my life, I have managed to survive and I'm tough and I'm strong and I'm smart and I'm capable. And, and as we embark on this, this transition that's taking place in our country, I see a country full of people who are ready to to make changes. And there's an evolution taking place within all of us. And we need to understand our history. We need to understand how it plays together and the impact it has on everyone around us. And the idea that, you know, we're not going to apologize for conquering a continent is foolish. I could stand here and apologize until I'm blue in the face, or I could step up, and step into my birthright and do something to make this better before it's too late. Because we're going down a path here, and I don't like the looks of it at all. And it's time for us to make some changes around here. You know, we as, as we move into this new election season, and DNA does come up, it's going to be important for all of us to realize that not everybody even wants this job. You know, the desire to run for president doesn't bubble up in everybody. Most people can look at this job and think, no, I'm not interested. Keep moving. You know, I'll complain about it. I'll talk about it, but I don't want to do it. And I'm over here showing you and explaining to you not only why I want to do it, but why I think I should do it and how I think I can help our country improve and evolve, evolve along the way. Because this country is amazing. And it is full of amazing people from coast to coast and, and anybody around the world, they want to be American. Now maybe we came into America and, and we destroyed a continent, but it is here now and we have this working and it clearly is the lifestyle that we are used to living. It's just not working correctly. And we have to tweak the system so that people can be successful within it and survive within it. Remember, this country is the greatest union that was ever created. It just needs to be run like one. We don't want a businessman who's going to come into office and run our country like a business for himself and for his family. We want a president who's going to run our country like a business for us Americans. Like we're the shareholders. We're the greatest union that was ever created. If we don't want to work 24 hours a day, we should have the right to collectively negotiate and come together. And that is what America is about. But until we start fighting for the quality of life of humans around the world, companies will continue to think that they can just leave our country and go to another country and pay somebody a dollar a day. So the reality is, Americans, we don't need to just fight for us Americans. We have to start fighting for all humanity because there's a handful of really rich, really greedy people who will punish the poor and the weak around us. And until we stand up and fight for everybody, They'll think they can just go somewhere else and act however they want to act. That's not what globalization means. That's not why these loopholes exist within our tax laws that allow companies to send their jobs to another country. They're not sending them to countries where people have better educations. They're not sending them to countries where there's better infrastructure. They're just sending the jobs to countries because they can pay people a buck a day and they're greedy. And until we fight for everybody, we're not going to get what we deserve either. And so this isn't just about running for president of our country and helping our country. This is about democracy and saving humanity and the quality of living for people everywhere. This medieval feudalism has been running amok across the planet for a thousand years. And this is our first opportunity to get inside the system and break it from the top. Donald Trump says he's going to drain a swamp. If there's anything I know after watching this message, he don't know how the swamp was created, and he ain't got a clue how to drain it. And I promise you, you take a look in my book, and I point it out for you, and I explain it in a really easy, fun manner so that you want to read it again. It's called Taming the Titta. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Target, you can get it on Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, for free. Follow me on Facebook at Sharman Smith for President 2020. Follow me on Twitter at Smith Charmin. We'll be back in just a few moments. Everybody, this is Sharman Smith with Tammy Matita, your 2020 presidential candidate, Democratic candidate for president. I'm going to do something a little bit different today. We have a call in line, and I'm going to give you the number. If you want to call in, you're welcome to. The number is 888 627 6008. That's 888 627 6008. If you have any questions, please feel free to call in. I want it have the opportunity to engage and interact with people every opportunity I get. I know that a lot of my ideas are controversial. I know that some of the information that has dropped on you in the last 40 minutes is probably, you know, still swirling in your head. And I, I get it. There We're all going through a lot together. And and in order to really break through the noise, we're going to have to be controversial. controversial. We're, we're going to have to say things that are provocative. And I want to make sure I take the opportunity to address topics that are in the news each week as we go through them. Because, you know, that's the thing about a 24-hour news cycle. It changes all the time. And we are going through so, so, so many things together as a country right now. And where people are hurting and they're suffering and we're trying to figure out how to get along with each other and reconnect. On a way that helps us, you know, trust again. And I, I keep hearing this a reoccurring theme that I, I've, I've had an opportunity to address a couple of times. But I, I, I want to really say that, you know, as as a Mayflower descendant, I never had an issue with immigrants in this country. And and I know it has been a topic of conversation for a long time. But our country, you know, give us your poor, your needy. We have always been here as a shelter from the storm from other countries that don't treat their people right. And this idea that, you now, look, we've certainly screwed up along the way. OK, like I'm, I'm not standing over here saying we're perfect, but the idea that we we. Brought people in and we created a new home for people to belong to no matter what their race was, no matter what their religion was, no matter what their color is. That, that is a beautiful ideal. And as we see, we see turmoil and violence and all over the planet, I don't want to put up walls. I want to hand out social security numbers and document people and And I want people in other countries to come together and organize and vote. And if they want America there, I want them to vote for America. And we'll bring America to them. Americans like to travel. We'll bring roads. We'll bring infrastructure. We can fix our water here because we have to take care of our people. This is ridiculous the way we have allowed our infrastructure to just fall apart. We... We have so many places for room for improvement. There are so many job opportunities. This country is full of hard-working people. We don't want to turn away anybody, certainly not just because they're brown. Now, I understand that there are some white people who think that they can just come roll in here and take over this country because it has a history of allowing that sort of thing to happen, but that is not going to happen. That is not going to continue. Good job, Uncle Vlad and Russia and Russia. I I I totally get what you're doing. For for decades Russia's been laughing at us because we just let people come in here and be born here and then they're Americans and they ha ha, they showed us they got people born here right into the system, running for office. They got people who are Manchurian candidates being placed on judges and in boards all across this country, running for office as as police officers. They've gone into the military. They, I tell you, just because you're born in this country, you can do just about anything. And your parents can teach you to act one way in public and act another way in private. And they can even protect you when they know that you're acting poorly. And it is time for that nonsense, this concept that the rich elite get to behave any way they want. It's time for that to stop. And it is going to take every single one of us coming together and working to have each other's back and having conversations with each other for us to be able to root out who has infiltrated us. This concept that some people would rather be Russian than be Democrat is beyond me. I never thought in my Red Dawn life that I would live in a world where any American would want to be a Russian. And if they do, I, as president, I promise to make that happen for them. I promise to revoke all their rights of American citizenship and ship them to Russia to go live with their favorite Vladimir. The idea that we are going to divide this country and conquer it is the source of our problems and that they're using our logic against us. And bravo. Good for them. They're very smart. And as much as I never wanted to admit that our system might have some flaws, I kind of appreciate them bringing it to my attention. So there does need to be a reevaluation of priorities through multiple sections of our government. And our economy and the how we treat people and how we treat each other, regardless of our skin color. But right now we have to do something about the people who are trying to destroy us. Because as much as, you know, the Gen X's like me grew up thinking that Russia was going to storm our beaches and bomb our cities, that's not how they're going to, they're win. That's not how they're winning. That's not how they're going to win. They're going to use our system against us. They have come in. They've been born here. They've been paying big money to get born here. And then they do that chain migration thing that Trump's been complaining about, his wife's parents doing, right? That's been going on for a long time. And we were just thinking, hey, everybody, come on in. It's a party. We're having a good time over here. But we got to remember, not everybody who comes to our party is here to have a good time. Some people are just coming to make trouble. And we got to find the troublemakers. And I'm not remotely suggesting that we just dump people in other countries. Because as I already said, I am not remotely afraid of the death penalty. I support the death penalty for violent rapists, pedophiles, and violent murderers. If somebody comes to our country and we find out they're a pedophile, we find out they're a murderer, we find out they're a rapist, death penalty. There's no reason for us to send them to another country. We need to handle that here. They're on our land. We get to do what we want with them. The problem is, is that these rapists have found a way to get into power. And it has been going on for a thousand years. This, this, this rape as a form of punishment and power and control is medieval feudalism at its finest. It has been around for as long as we can document. And women have just accepted the reality that they're the spoils of war. And whenever the war is over, the conquerors rape and pillage. And women have been taking it for a long time. And that that's coming to an end. People are coming out and they're sharing their stories. And we're talking about the way we treat each other. And it has to be done. We have to do it together, whether we want to or not. It, it is is—it is all around us. And the thing that is really important for women to remember right now is that we haven't even had the right to vote in this country for a 100 years. 2020 is our 100-year anniversary. Let's make it a good one. We deserve to celebrate big time in the 20s. I'm looking forward to the new life that will come from us being united together and happy again. And us getting the trash out that's just trying to destroy the party. We have got people who are working against us. You, you call them whatever you want to call them. You call them lone wolves. You call them, you know, what, they they belong to a special club. We, we know we have problems. We've been turned on the other cheek too long. It's time for us to stand tall, look it in the eye, and deal with it once and for all. We absolutely have to get tough on the criminals who are committing the rapes, who are the pedophiles. We have to do something about violent murderers. They don't want their, especially the Russians, they're not going to pick a fight with us. They're going to have us pick fights with each other, and they've got us where they want us. They've pitted us against each other. If you haven't, seen the movie The Kingsman. I want you to go check it out this weekend. It, it It is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen in my life. because I don't just look at the movie the way it's presented. I, I look at things a little differently. And that scene at the end with the phones and the guns, that's what Russia is doing to us. That's what Russia wants to happen in our country. And we absolutely cannot let them win. We are better than this. And they know it, but they also know that everybody has weaknesses. And if they just poke at us, then they think that they can get us to lose it and they can take over when the chaos breaks loose. And we're not going to let that happen, ladies and gentlemen. And the reality is, is that, We are stuck in a cycle of abuse right now with our elected officials, and we're seeing it with the chaos that they create. It's done deliberately to exhaust us. It's done deliberately to wear us down because the more exhausted we are and the more worn down we are, the more they can get away with. And this is what I want to tell you to do. It's time to get your tennies on and tighten them up because we're going to have to exercise. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Get your vitamins hydrate nourish we need good food in our bodies we need good water in our bodies we have to be thinking about what is going on around us and stand up for somebody next to you stick up for somebody who needs it and if you know we got nazis everywhere people i've got my kids at school have children at school who are open nazis we have to do something about this now. We gotta be talking to our kids. We gotta stop this hatred just because it's a Democrat and a Republican and we gotta remember Americans. Americans are, this, this country was built on a beautiful ideal that deserves to, to flourish. And it was built on the idea that we could make the lives of humans Better, so they wouldn't be controlled by these elite governments and the wealthy, rich and the monarchies and the powerful. And we have we're, this is our first real opportunity to break the cycle. And it's going to take every one of us together to do it. I can't do it alone. No, Nobody can do this alone. But together we can accomplish anything. And I refuse to believe there's anything so wrong with our country that it can't be corrected with a little common sense and compassion. My name is Sharman Smith. I'm a 2020 Democratic candidate for president. You can find me at SharmanSmith.com. You can buy my book Taming the Titta at Amazon, on Kindle, or Barnes and Noble. You can follow me on Facebook at Sharman Smith for President 2020 and on Twitter at SmithSharman. Thank you very much for coming along with me today on Taming the Titta. This is Sharman Smith and I look forward to speaking with you again next week.